0: This week on the Back Table Podcast.
1: Uh, but another piece I wanted to mention about why diversity is just the talent pool. So if we want the best IRs that we can have, we want the full. We want to draw from the full talent pool. We don't want to just Total. draw from fifty percent of it or sixty um, percent of it. We want all of it. And um, you know, statistically, IR is the most competitive specialty. I'm so proud to say that, because it's so amazing. It should be. And so we need to be drawing from the whole pool.
0: Welcome to the Backtable Podcast, which is committed to all things IR and endovascular. This is Michael Barraza, returning as your host. I'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in. I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you use to listen. And for feeling especially thankful, please leave us a review on iTunes. We always value your feedback, as long as it's wildly positive. Uh, before we dive into our topic for discussion, I'll share a quick word from today's sponsor, RadPad. RADPAD was developed by physicians for physicians, providing clinically proven radiation protection during cine and digital subtraction angiography. Don't bet your career or your health on anything less. Trust RADPAD radiation protection shields for all your fluoro-guided interventions. See radpad.com for more information and contact info at radpad.com for a free radiation evaluation and a no-brainer radiation protection cap. Let them know you heard about it on the Backtable podcast. Today, we're talking about the landscape for women in IR. Uh, Now, obviously, this is a huge and complex topic, so I'm grateful to welcome two of our highly esteemed colleagues that are much better prepared to guide our discussion. I'm honored to be joined today by Dr. Barbara Hamilton from Desert Regional Medical Center in Palm Springs, California, and Dr. Mary Costantino from Comprehensive Interventional Care Centers in Portland. Thank you both so much for doing this.
1: Thanks for having
0: me. Barbara, do you use anything special for radiation protection like RADPAD or anything else?
1: I do use RadPad. I like my rep and uh, I've tried to um, educate the techs on getting, you know, which cases are best to use the RadPad for, where to place it.
0: Barbara, while I'm talking to you now, I, I want to take a second to uh, plug your blog or encourage our listeners to check it out. It's TiredSuperHeroine.com. And it gives a much closer look at the challenges of achieving work-life balance and financial empowerment in male-dominated specialties like IR. Uh, when did you start doing this? Cool.
1: I started uh, last fall. So it's been just over a year and I was inspired to do this because um, I found that just starting to mentor students, a lot of the same questions come up again and again. And I think that's something you'll hear a lot of bloggers say that, um, you know, it's just kind of a way to get your message out there to a broader audience who might not have someone to mentor them in their immediate area.
0: For today's topic, this is obviously very capacious and it's hard to know where to begin. Um, but I think it's important to address uh, the clear gender gap you see in certain specialties. I mean, we were, you know, you mentioned on your blog talking about male-dominated specialties. Uh, you shared some eye-opening statistics with me, uh, though. I do have um, those statistics that you shared with me, and you said um, it said fifty-eight percent of family medicine residents are women, fifty-seven percent of psych residents are female, seventy-five uh, percent of PEDS residents are female, but nineteen percent of surgeons are female, and uh, what are the numbers like in IR?
1: Yeah, so our numbers have been stagnant, stagnant for many years, and the estimate is that we're in the eight to ten percent female range for practicing Irs across the country. So it varies a little bit by region, and it's a little bit higher where the training programs are clustered, um, as there are a bit more women in academics and less in private practice. And so we've just been at nine percent for many years, but. Um, speaking to Mary on the phone a little bit earlier, she shared with me that she remembers a time when that number was just 3%, which um, wow. I'm not sure when that was, but that boggles my mind because that's very low.
0: Do you guys feel like that is is changing, though, in the last couple of years? I mean, it may just be the bias from just seeing these people on social media, but you know, I feel like I saw a lot of women that, that, that matched into IR this last round.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the match statistics are better with the, um, I'm not sure how the early specialization in IR, the ESIR numbers are, but I think the direct IR pathway, the numbers were in the thirties, but I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but anyway, much higher than 9%. So we do have a pipeline of women coming in. And so I think it's even more important in this day and age to just have an inclusive Feel to the specialty. So to do anything we can to keep these women and retain them because there are some forces at play that I think cause like a leaky pipe, uh, leaky pipeline phenomenon for us.
0: Okay. Um, so what else do you guys think is needed to make our specialty more appealing to female candidates? Has yeah. it become more inclusive?
1: Yeah, that's the million dollar question. Uh, So that's why I think it's really interesting to look at some of these training program statistics, like what makes family medicine, psychiatry, peds so appealing to women? Um, I didn't have a statistic offhand for OB, but OB must be, I think it's 70 to 90% of trainees are women at this point. So um, what can we emulate about those specialties? And um, I think, some of the things we need to take away are these, um, some of the negative messaging. So when you're going through diagnostic radiology training, I think an inherent part of that is that people say, well, you've made it into a diagnostic radiology program. So as a woman, you must want work-life balance. Therefore you could choose women's imaging. So you should choose women's imaging. Um, And that's not, you know, that's not helpful to everyone. Um, And that's something that's still happening. So just trying to dispel those myths, I think, is really important. Um, that's one of the steps to being more inclusive. So not discouraging people that know they're really interested in IR, and you say, well, but you could do something that doesn't have so much call or that has predictable hours. I mean, OB clearly does not have predictable hours. Um, right. You know, there are these other specialties, if 19% of general surgery attendings in the U.S. are women. This is double that of IR. So what what can we do to emulate what the surgeons have done? Um, You know, one of the things they have is uh, the Association of Women Surgeons, which is a really well-developed section that has just um, been really supportive for women in surgery. So we're just trying to see, without reinventing the wheel, what we can do to be extremely supportive.
2: Um, Do you, you know, we're talking about maybe... Why more women now? And as you experienced and as I experienced, there weren't a lot of women around. My mentors are some fabulous, fabulous mentors, um, Happened to be men, um, but I think they were fabulous mentors and I'm very grateful for that. Do you, I, I found that in the last five years, the mentorship program that SIR developed was amazing only because people started to call and it sounds like you've mentored some um, trainees. I can't help but think that's one of the best, biggest reasons that we're now seeing more women is that um, the trainees and med students have access to women such as yourself who um, have had success. What do you think of that? Do you think that's an important variable? Do you think it's a really important variable? Do you think not so much? I think it's huge. Yeah. I think access
1: is the key word that you just said. And so as a trainee in the Northeast, I didn't have access in Rhode Island. I was at Brown to any women in IR. And they were just a town away. There were a bunch in Boston, but I didn't know them. And I was a trainee. I wasn't going to Boston to meet up with them. I didn't have access. Um, And at that time, you bring up a good point about the SIR mentorship program. We, I remember 10 years ago, there was just a list of IRs around the country and so, as a trainee, if you wanted to find a woman, say in Minnesota, who you knew was there because your one of your male mentors said, "Oh, there's one of those in Minnesota," then you could go and try to cold call her. Um, but that was as good as you can do. Now we have a much better infrastructure. So there's a mentorship database, and I think this is particularly important for women and minorities because if they don't have someone who looks like them or that they can really relate to in their geographic area. They can electronically find this person, someone who has signed up on the platform as a willing and able mentor. Um, And so, of course, that comes with its limitations. It's a lot more easier to relate to someone in person. And of course, ideally, you know, we'd love to just be able to go out and have a coffee with your mentor. And it's easier to make a connection that way. But for people that don't have that option, I think that this is a really good resource for people. So I hope that they look... Um, for the mentorship database. And I think you do have to be a member of the SIR to access it. Um, I think you're right. But as students, I think that they can get free membership to SIR, if that's still the case. And then residents, they have a reduced rate. So they're not paying what attendings pay to be part of SIR. They're paying
2: just, I think it should be under a hundred dollars. Yeah. I've found some amazing women, even at this stage where I think, do I still need mentorship? And um at every stage of your career, you need people who are looking out for you because they understand the next phase of your career. And mm-hmm. the, what's happening now to me is that women who are not even not who don't live close to me, um reach out to me and say, "Hey, like, consider this for your next stage." And I think that's amazing is that they're sitting at home thinking of me and my career and um through through no glory, more money, or anything for themselves. Uh, and that's the cohesiveness I have found for women in IR um, without mm-hmm. pursuing it, and I just love that so much. I think we're excluding the guys from the conversation.
0: <laughs> no, no, this is really what I want you guys <laughs> like, to do. That's why I,
2: I was like, all right, let me <clears> give. mic here. I should just be quiet.
0: (laughs) No, this is exactly what I want. I mean, you guys obviously uh, know a whole lot more about this than me. And, you know, I've got a handful of questions, but, you know, I don't have anywhere near the perspective that you guys will on this. This is, this is great.
1: Well, I think it's interesting. Can I turn the tables and ask you, you guys a question? Um, You know, do you work with a lot of women and um, are they mostly in the supportive roles or do you have a lot of female attendings working with you?
0: I don't currently. I do on the diagnostic side, but, uh, you know, in training, one of my co-fellows and friends, Ava Starr, was with me. Uh, nice. But, but where I am now, it's um, I've got one, actually, the most talented interventional radiologist in my practice in the city is a woman. And I go to her for pretty much any major questions I have uh, on the procedural side. But she's the only one out of probably 12 of us.
1: Wow, that's amazing that you can say that. I love that.
0: Oh, she's incredible. Um, her name is Michelle Lucian. Uh, trained at Virginia. She's amazing. But, uh, you know, we're I'm in a very large group, but it is a very, you know, it's a male-dominated group. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and I think that's and, something for trainees to be aware of. It's not anything to be afraid of. I, um, you know, if you're going to enter IR, there will be many times where you'll be the only woman in the room. And if you're okay with that, then forge ahead. I just think it's such a great career. And I don't want that to be surprising or put off-putting to women. Um, you know, there may be some women who don't want to be the only woman in the room, but yeah. hopefully we can change this because women have the skills and um, the talent to do this.
2: That brings up an interesting topic and I'm wondering if you have anything to say about this and I kind of don't want to ask you an unfair question because I think this answer can be um, complicated, but why why diversity? You know, why do you want mixing of, you know, why do you want diversity of gender, ethnic diversity? Um, I have my own answers for that, but I won't say them out loud, but why do you think that's a good thing? Yeah. Um, So
1: there's a lot of literature about this from medicine to business. Um, So as far as the agility and the new idea generation, the innovation of us, I'll say a specialty, because that's what we're talking about um, or a business entity, it's um, the outcomes are improved when women are at the table and when, when women are present, when there's some degree of diversity and that's been shown. Um, And then Harjeet Singh, He was the fearless leader for a while of our um, diversity and inclusion um, task force in the SIR. And he has a great talk about this. So maybe we can find it and link it in the show notes. Um, But he just, this will be actually in an upcoming diversity academy. I think that's what they're calling it through the SIR. Also, this is going to be a curriculum about diversity um, for specifically related to IR practices. And so in his talk, he goes into how, um, the trust factor, which is huge with what we do when they can identify with you when they, um, are more similar. Well, Mary, I, I want to hear your answer now too. You said you have. One.
2: <laughs> well, I have, um, looked at this. I, I, I think that Barbara said it perfectly is that you look at when you have diverse opinions in a room and I I think about this less in terms of medicine and IR more in terms of business and they've looked at you know Fortune 500 companies and then the number of women leaving Fortune 500 companies right now is about 6.4%. Um and they look at what makes a good company, and it's the diverse opinions that are um, at a table and that is because if you have people of like minds, then you're just moving down one one trajectory, and if you have people of diverse minds, then your world opens up to your different um, potential pathways and businesses have done some interesting things um Zappos probably a lot of people know about this, but they created a culture where. There was a guy on top, and then everybody was equivalent. And I think last I looked, I mean, I'm kind of waiting to see how that has turned out. Um, But the business has toyed with this idea of how to um, implement um, different diverse opinions and uh, diversity um, quite a bit, and I think it's still playing out. But my, my conclusion is that if you're only with people who know and say what you do, then you're going to move forward. You're just going to only move forward in that one direction. And that's a little bit, honestly, like the guys who work, not the guys, guys and gals who work in hospitals <laughs> and um, the the OBL world and the private practice world and people feeling like there are no options and all of a sudden there are options. I mean, who would have guessed when I was in residency that there would be OBLs and people would have options for this? I mean, I, I know that, you know, Bill and Jerry were talking about this, but they were the only two, I think, at the time. So, you know, look at that. Diversity in the workplace could also be what kind of practice you're in. And you have people with different ideas, and it really changes the landscape.
0: Yeah, you might wonder if, uh, you know, we start to see more and more Patients who uh, you know know about these conditions that we're treating and, and go out and seek people online. If uh, you know, maybe the, the female IRs out there may have an advantage in getting some of these patients for treatments like fibroid embolization or pelvic congestion syndrome or fallopian tube recanalization.
2: There is no question that I have had a number of patients who have come to me and said, "I'm here because you're a female," and I'm like, mm-hmm. "Great!" I get it, and I hope to not let you down.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've, had the same thing. I've had an 80 year old show up for a lung biopsy. And the first thing the family says is, oh, we love that you're a woman. So, you know, it's not always negative. Um, and it's just very human. Uh, but another piece I wanted to mention about why diversity is just the talent pool. So if we want the best IRs that we can have, we want the full we want to draw from the full talent pool. We don't want to just totally. draw from 50 percent of it or 60 um, percent of it. We want all of it. And, um, you know, statistically, IR is the most competitive specialty. I'm so proud to say that because it's so amazing. It should be. And so we need to be drawing from the whole pool. Yeah, and it's a
0: really good point.
1: The other part of it is just, you know, fulfillment. Do you want fulfilled doctors? I mean, you have wonderful women who want to do this work. And so why push them to do something that's more, quote, family friendly? They're not going to be as fulfilled. They're not going to have the career longevity. They're not going to be as happy and contributory to society. I mean, they should be doing what they feel that they were put here to do.
2: I also think with a with the family thing, I have my kids are 12 and 14 now, and I mean, it was a whole different ball game when they were two and four. I mean, I thought I was, like, drowning. I did not know how I was going to make it out alive. And now that they're older, they're preteens, and um, that comes with its own particular challenges. However, um, I see the light at the end of the tunnel, and I look back and I have the perspective. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, my career is this entirely long thing. I plan on working until I'm <laughs> 75, if I'm lucky. And the kids, the young kids are just... It's a time frame, And if you know how to get through that with, um, successfully, then you can, it puts your whole career in perspective because you have so many years in your career um, and your kids grow up.
1: I have a two-year-old right now. So that's something I really like to write about is work-life balance, having a two-year-old and being a mom on call. Um, because, and, and dads, there are dads on call all the time. We just don't, as society, we don't think that's as much of a thing. Um, but yeah, what do you? How do we balance childcare when um, we have two parents in the home that have a career? So I like to write about that. I like to write about the the mechanics, the finances of that, um, and say that it can be done because as IRs, as we know, as anyone can Google, we have a lot of resources at our fingertips when you have an attending IR salary. You have so many options. So when people are taking away options from trainees and saying, no, it's not going to work, I would argue the opposite. We have so many resources. You have the income to buy help. So buy
2: help. Yeah. And that's what will be an interesting side effect of the um, direct pathway because, Most of the time, you know, we get married later and later we have babies later. So we're going through the end of residency potentially. And so it all comes together at one point. We're finally, you know, getting married, deciding if you want to have kids and deciding what, what kind of fellowships to go into. So, you know, if that, all those decisions come at the same time, which is why I think the, like, how do I, how do I have babies comes in at a time that it's unfortunate that we're asking the question right then when we're matching for fellowship, Mm -hmm. um, And not, you know, I I, sometimes I say Britney Spears had it right. You know, she had those kids when she was like 19 (sighs) and she wasn't 34 when she was having her first baby. And that is a rough time. But, you know, we make it through. But there's like this culmination of all these major decisions. And you realize, you know, when you're then beyond all that, that it just is bad timing that they all coalesce at the same moment. So the direct pathway will be interesting um, if it. Yeah changes that um, thought because it is I mean people come down on you a lot of like how are you gonna have kids and when are you gonna do this and how are you and I, I was like I don't know how I'm gonna do any of this and you don't think at least when I was going through it um I didn't think you could be pregnant and do an IR fellowship, right? Because there wasn't any information about radiation and how do you do with it. And now I'm now I Don't even think about it. I mean, but... um, That's a good segue, Mary,
1: into the Pregnancy Toolkit. So that's another resource that maybe we can link to. And it's a great resource for anyone considering IR or in IR training or at any stage. And so it's a resource we put together with lots of links and lots of information on everything from, you know... um, Planning when to have a child or um, breastfeeding as an IR and um, navigating pregnancy, radiation protection, all of it. And um, this is a resource to help people navigate it all, so they don't have to reinvent the wheel.
0: Okay, guys. Well, uh, you know, I think we've covered a lot of this very big and complex topic, and uh, including some support systems. Is is there anything big that I that I've missed that you guys would like to talk about?
1: Check out the blog and leave a comment. Let me know what you'd like to hear about. Um, It's charredsuperheroine.com. And I'm just trying to spread the message, trying to be there virtually for people who don't have someone um, to set an example for them.
0: Okay. Well, thank you both for joining us. This has been awesome. Uh, And thank you again to our sponsor, RadPad. Again, a reminder to go to radpad.com. For more information or contact info at RadPad for free radiation evaluation and no-brainer radiation protection cap. Thanks again. Bye.